Hello and welcome to Here's Johnny's Reviews and my concluding look at the first three Hellraiser movies, or Halloween as I'm calling it, come out three years after Hellbound but with a new production company in charge as New Line, sorry, as New World Pictures went a belly up with little involvement from Clive Barker, even though his name is on this, he was paid handsomely to walk away before filming, then paid again to add some polish after filming comes what most fans say is the beginning of the end for this franchise with a budget of $5 million and pulling in $12.5 million with yet another director in the chair here it is, the first Hellraiser movie I ever saw Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth starring Kevin Bernard, Terry Farrell, Paul Marshall, Ken Carpenter and Doug Bradley directed by Anthony Hecox other plot, a TV news reporter must send Pinhead and his new band of Cenobites back to hell after a masochistic club owner opens the puzzle box to feed his own need for pleasure. Can she stop Pinhead before he indeed turns hell onto earth? After two painfully long minutes of titles, does the movie open up on a really bad map painting of a New York skyline? Note this was filmed entirely in North Carolina. It's here introduced to vain Massacistic club owner J.P. Monroe, played by Kevin Bernhard. Oh, well, this and General Hospital, however, he did produce the 2008 Rambo as he enters an art gallery to buy pieces for his club. It is here he sold the torture totem pole from the end of Hellraiser 2. Hmm? Well, this version's of it anyway, as this thing is not made of wood, but made of solid stone. As we see, it is spinning pride of place in the middle of this art gallery. We see it has Pinhead's face, the Lament puzzle box, and dozens of other souls trapped in it. Cut to a camera viewfinder and our introduction to Joey Summerskill, put by Terry Farrell of Deep Space Nine and Becker, the 90s Ted Dancing comeback show. She's a wannabe TV investigative reporter talking about how slow the ER is at the local hospital and guessing she's a Lisa Gibson type here. Hmm. After she does her pissed off piece to camera, do we meet her cameraman, Doc, <clears throat> Doc even, played by Ken Carpenter of 1989's Christmas Horror, Elves, and hundreds of straight-to-tape movies, with his fabulous mus- handlebar moustache. As Doc is called away to cover a hostage situation, it leaves Joy to wander around the empty, dimly lit hospital. And I won't even go into why a mysterious blonde nurse is placing out shiny new surgical equipment in an ER backroom. Just then, a man on a gurney is rushed through the doors, with chains and hooks attached to his body, with his girlfriend, Terry, played by Paul Marshall of Cheaper by a Dozen, Veronica Mars, and Californication, as well as dozens of other TV shows. She's trying to explain what happened to he as he dies on the table, as the chains become electrified and his head explodes. Before running off, Terry tells Joy it happened at the Boiler Room, a trendy bar downtown. Cut to Joy on the night bus, heading home alone. We also get stock footage of shots of New York. Then on to the editing room, where a sexist editor tells Joy an inch more flesh and the boys will get hot. She shoots down this sexist douchebag. However, he just scoffs at her, telling her good luck with her way of doing this. Bearing in mind her skirt is very short, it's very much a automobile, this bloody skirt she's wearing. Anyway, moving on. Cut to Joy checking out the story at the boiler room, a weird fetish type underground bar with weird barbed wire pieces hanging from the ceiling, such as a baby doll with its eyes blindfolded hanging 
in a circle of barbed wire with sheep shears and pliers. Okay, what the actual fuck? She makes her way to the barman, Rick, played by Peter Atkins, the writer of this and indeed most of the Hellraiser movies, also the Wishmaster movies. Indeed, on the Blu-ray special features, he wouldn't shut up about how pleased he is to be a horror icon as he's turned into the Barbie Cinebate later on in the movie. He points her upstairs to GP's office. She makes her way to the DJ booth and he gives her directions to the office. The DJ is CD, played by Brent Bolthouse of Watch Dogs 2 and Warlock Armageddon. He sends her into a restaurant? Really? So this bar is a mosh pit, a yuppie bar and a four-star restaurant. Okay then, how the hell does this one work? How do these people mix and mingle? I mean, she's moving on. I guess it was the 90s and it was New York, so yeah, yuppies. She then finds GP surrounded by models, so hands him her business card asking about Terry onto a flashback slash nightmare of Joey's father getting killed in Vietnam. Spot director Anthony Hecox, if you can, as one of the many soldiers gunned down by the Viet Cong. The telephone wakes her up from her nightmare and it's Terry asking for a place to sleep in exchange for what she knows about the events of the night before and Joey indeed agrees. Terry then tells her about the events of the other night and shows her the puzzle box. However, before she does, she asks about her bad dreams. And here we get Joy's backstory that her father died in Vietnam before she was born and she somehow knows how he dies. Kieran. Here we get told Terry can't dream and is envious of Joy for being able to do so. So the ever-chain-smoking Terry asks for a cigarette and she finally spills it all to Joy in her frankly too big for her budget penthouse apartment. Turns out the guy from the hospital was a low down punk thief who somehow managed to get the puzzle box out of the solid stone statue without breaking it or indeed getting caught by JP. Back at the club JP hears clicking coming from the statue totem pole and sees the puzzle boxes are missing so he sticks his hand in the hole and gets bitten by a rat spraying blood all over the stone pole brings Pinhead back to life. The next morning, Terry about smokes her and Joy out of the apartment by burning the breakfast. Kieran, how the hell do you burn water? Moving on. Here we see Terry's backstory that she's been on her own since she was 15, apart from a string of user boyfriends. And possibly something about her father being a kitty fiddler. Mm, as it's touched on, but it's not actually fully stated. Terry tells Joy. She's the one that found JP at the statue and she'll lead her to it if she gets a place to crash. Cut to them finding the art gallery, which according to another neighbour has been shut down for months. So, they go in to investigate via the back door via Terry's handy bobby pin. For a journalist, um, Joey seems to be led around everyone, doesn't he seem to be doing very much investigating here, so hmm, interesting. After going through only two files from a stack of others, do they find information on the Chenard Institute and drawings of the puzzle box that night back at the club? JP picks up a bar skank, takes her upstairs in his private rooms to, well frankly fuck her in front of the statue, Pinhead awakens just as he comes onto Joey. Trying to find out more information on the Institute and the box. Also, a patient called Kirsty Cotton, once again played by Ashley Lawrence. She demands to be sent a tape of Kirsty talking about the Cinebites, Hell, and the Puzzle Box. As she does this, Terry sneaks off, but Joy stops her, 
saying there's a spare room and she can stay there as long as she wants. Yeah, because you're going to let some woman you've barely known stay in your huge ass apartment as you go to work. Okay then, moving on. Back to GP. Chain smoking and polishing his cowboy boots as the bar skank drones on and on and on. He tells her to get the fuck out as she was one of only a long line of other girls he has used and abused. She freaks out at him, then she's killed by Pinhead in the statue. Her skin ripped off by multiple chained hooks and then she's sucked into the statue and becomes part of it. And here it is, our reintroduction to Pinhead, played again by Doug Bradley. And indeed, this is the first and only movie where he's actually called Pinhead, I believe. Who, on the Blu-ray special features, was stunned that he became a horror icon and the face of the franchise, asking, why him? Simple, you have a personality and a voice, so you're right up there with Freddy Krueger. Anyway, he tells JP if he gets him more souls, he'll get everything he ever wanted, so he's now Freddy then. Hmm. JP tries to shoot the statue with his handy Desert Eagle handgun, but Pinhead just spits out the shells and then makes him a deal. The next morning, Joey gets a tape in the mail, God, that was quick. So she watches the tape and this movie pulls a Terminator 2 with Kirsty talking to an unseen person off screen about the box, the Cinebites, Hell and indeed Pinhead. Suddenly the tape stops and in static does she get a warning from Captain Elliot, played again by Doug Bradley, who asks her for help. Back with Terry, who has made herself at home in Joey's penthouse. She gets a calling from the puzzle box, which is a completely different design from any other bloody puzzle boxes, but moving on. She picks it up and starts fiddling with it, however, before she could press the top button and open it, does she get a call from JP, asking her back and to come over to his seedy little club as he wants her back. Joey gets a call from someone telling her she has a job in Canada so she can sell him her condo apartment and finally take the job. With that, Terry runs off back to JP. Joey returns home later that night, finding Terry gone and the place is a mess as she has dozens of beer bottles, pizza boxes and cigarettes scattered all over the bloody place. Less than 24 hours and she's trashed with her already. Lovely roommate that is. She gets a note from Terry calling her a fucking liar, stuck to her answer machine. Cut to Terry in GP's playhouse, where he plays with her emotions, but she's not letting him have his wicked way with her. On to another nightmare about Joey's dad in Vietnam, except this time it morphs into World War II, and we see Captain Elliot on the Western Front. So Pinhead is now Freddy, he can now come into a person's dreams and mess with them. Well, I guess they thought Freddy was about to hang up his hat and glove, so why not rip him off? Only three movies and 12 years off, lads, but a nice try. Anyway, Captain Elliot tells Joey his backstory by showing her just how much horror he saw on the Western Front, or sorry, on the front lines. This, of course, wakes her up with a scream. Is she a big cover? Because she sees Captain Elliot on her TV asking her for help. Back with JP, playing some more with Teddy's emotions. She stupidly walks over to JP as he's standing next to the statue and he indeed wants to feed her to Pinhead. She struggles however and knocks him out cold for brass knucks as Pinhead screams to be fed. So Pinhead, always the player, makes a deal with Terry to be able to dream as she needs to do is just feed him JP. She does this and in seconds JP is chained and turned into Piston Head Cinnabite. Somehow this managed to make the statue come to life and Pinhead managed to break free from one Sorry, two, but one dead body and a few splatters of blood. Karen, talk about fast forward motion. Jesus Christ, Frank needed, what, five 
bodies and Joe needs several bodies to become flesh, but oh, who cares? Pinhead offers her his hand and turns her into the Dreamer Cinnabite, which is a bloody terrible name for a Cinnabite. Could she not have been called Sleepyhead? Joy is awakened from her sleep by a 40s radio playing an old timey news report and jazz from the 40s. She plays with the dial until she hears Captain Elliot telling her to go to the window. The movie pulls an through a looking glass as her, boat, as her view turns from a New York skyline into Captain Elliot playing with the puzzle box. So she walks through the window and this is into his memory somehow. Again! These are Freddy's powers, not Pinhead's powers, so what the hell are they doing? They're ripping off bloody Freddy's dead. Get in. She approaches Captain Elliot, however, he doesn't say a word to her, and just continues to fiddle with the box. A doorway to hell opens up, and she enters it to see Captain Elliot's own personal hell, which is the trenches with dozens of dead bodies. She walks into No Man's Land to ask help from Captain Elliot, but he says he needs her help to get out of his own personal hell. As all wars are linked, this somehow made him give him the ability for him to track her down in her sleep, and he needs her help to escape his own personal limbo, which somehow is in her dreams. Okay then, I think I went cross-eyed just doing that bloody sentence. Finally, we get his backstory of how and why he was turned into Pinhead. We then see renewed footage from Hellraiser 2 of him being turned to Pinhead. Then we see his death from Hellraiser 2 after Dr. Channard turned him back from Pinhead to Captain Elliot. So, this somehow makes Pinhead unstoppable and has no rules holding him back. Right it in. Can you tell this has been multiple scriptwriters and multiple bloody people wrote this thing? Jesus is desperate. Captain Elliot then tells her she has the power to put Pinhead back in this box. All she needs to do is to get him to come to her condo and walk through the window. And don't worry, this thing is dropped because it's fucking stupid. Cut back to the club for Pinhead's Carnage, where Pinhead kills dozens of people, turning a few into Cinnabites, such as DJ, who is turned into the CD Cinnabite, which throws CDs to his victims, much like the alien does in I Come in Peace. Or the barman, that's turned into Barbie Cinnabite, that breathes fire and throws cocktail shakers that explode. And during this Carnage spot, Zach Galligan as someone in the bar getting killed by a pool cue. Because apparently, the guy who wrote this, or actually directed this, um, was in Waxwork 2, so there's a favour. <laughs> With the weird statues coming to life, does Pinhead go on a killing spree, turning him into yet another bloody slasher and not a fucking demon from hell? As the chains go flying, the people run for it. However, Pinhead pulls a carry and seals out the doors, killing willy-nilly. With body parts flying, Pinhead laughs menacingly. Joey wakes up to a news report on TV, however, she has the 40s reel on the table, so is this actually happening? I mean, did she own this thing or what was it? Because it looked like she was puzzled as to why this 40s radio was in her closet. Okay then, is she still dreaming or what? Anyway, talking about the carnage at the club. Oh wait, no it's not. It's not plugged in. This is more of Pinhead's new powers. Okay then, Joy then calls Doc to ask him to record this report with her. So, as he flips through the channels, he cannot find the news reports, so heads over to the club all alone. As this is happening, Joy gets dressed and then picks up the puzzle box and heads to the club. Arriving at the club, she finds Doc's car abandoned. So she enters the club, finding hundreds of chained dead bodies, but not a cop nor a news crew in sight. She goes deeper into the club, into the restaurant, finding more dead bodies and Doc with his head cut off with his camera placed on top of his neck. Pinhead comes out of the shadows and taunts Joy, saying he'll kill her fast if she'll give him the box. She refuses to do so, so 
Pinhead tries to take it from her, but the box shocks him. Why? It didn't do this in Hell is a 1 or 2. So she runs off into the streets and is almost hit by a taxi. Pinhead again goes all carry and attacks her with live wires, making manhole covers explode, and indeed exploding fire hydrants etc etc. I love how all this is happening, you can see two guys just walking past, not giving two shits, then hightail it after one of the manhole covers explodes, and they run for their bloody lives. This is hilarious, and there's no part of the movie now. <laughs> she continues to run for her life, dodging exploding flying manhole covers, electrified water, and indeed more cars, until she sees Doc has been turned into camera head Cinnabite with his killer camera eye. This is the start of the ridiculous Cinnabite toilet, including Dreamer, Piston, CD, and Barbie. Clicked them all. Accessories sold separately. Check out your local bloody toy store for these ones. Yay. Ugh, bloody ridiculous, to be honest. So, I'll take it this is where the budget went to this explosive ending. Okay, out of nowhere comes CDGG, Cinnabite, with his killer CDs, ill, and he has CDs embedded into his head. Okay then. Joey runs... From this, dodging more explosions and indeed more flying bloody manhole covers. And out of a pub comes Barbie with his fire breath and exploding cocktail shakers which he used to blow up a couple of cops. Joey then runs to a church for help from the priest, however he doesn't believe her until Pinhead blows the stained glass window, melts a cross on his hand and feeds him part of his body after he mocks Christ uh, by taking nails from his head and jet inserting rather them into the palms of his hands with maggots attached to them saying I am the way as another stained glass window explodes Joy runs off to a building site and here it is the final showdown miles away from her condo still never mind it still has time to show off piston head Cinnabite JD with a piston going through his head because get it because he likes to fuck like a piston and dreamer head Cinnabite Teddy with what else a cigarette stuck in her throat so, as the two Borg cosplays wannabes, Taunt and Burn Joey, does Pinhead show up and yes, you've guessed it, he bloody sits there and taunts Joey. As the other son wannabe Cinnabites show up, Joey gets the box to open and ascends them all back to hell, all but Pinhead, who somehow takes a hit but doesn't get sent back to hell. This is not how these bloody puzzle boxes work. <sighs> Moving on. Then all of a sudden, Joy is in a field where she sees her daddy getting killed, but he rises from the dead and whatever. But it's not him, it is indeed a pinhead in disguise, and a stupid bitch falls us and hands over the box. But it's a trap! As this is in Joy's dream, can Captain Elliot fight Pinhead? However, Pinhead hosts house team or host or whatever. Joy up with chains and lashes her with pieces of fetishware, mocking Captain Elliot's desires. Out of the ground is something that I can only explain as a pinhead's penis, with a screaming chestbuster type thing that then morphs into a metal arm. Kidding. Before he can turn Joey into a cinnabite, does Captain Elliot grab Pinhead's arm and they both start to merge into one? Skull first. Once full combined, does Pinhead go in for the kill? However, Captain Elliot tells her to send him to hell, which she does by making the box into the diamond shape and stabbing him through the heart with it. So, after the clusterfuck of an ending, which this thing is a complete bloody mess, does Penny get sucked into the box in some really piss poor bloody effects? And boom! She's back in the real world. She buries the puzzle box in some wet cement foundations of the building which was on the building site and just walks off into the sunrise months later. Do we see the office building has lament walls as credits roll? To Motorhead's Hellraiser song. So that was Hellraiser 3. 
the start of the end for these movies, even though this franchise limped on for another 7 movies, and indeed 2 video games. This is pretty much it. This was a complete fucking mess of a movie. Pinhead went from an almost silent, menacing character to a bloody Freddy wannabe. Pinhead also went from a scary hell demon to an action star Michael Bay style by blowing the shit out of fucking everything. This was completely on a scary, unoriginal, it was dangerously flirting with Nightmare on Elm Street territory and is just plain bloody stupid. No wonder the rest of these movies were straight to tape and used spec scripts. I'm going to give this thing a piss poor 2 out of 10. Anyway, come back next week for my look at Stephen King's The Shining. Can he do much better than Kubrick? He sure thought so. November is bad video game movies such as Mario Brothers. December is festive funnies such as Santa's Sleigh. January is John Camper movies such as The Fog. And don't forget to leave a like, comment and subscribe to my SoundCloud. Follow me on Twitter at Here's Pod. Email me movie suggestions to Here's Reviews at gmail.com. Check out my other horror franchise podcasts such as The Lost Boys, Blade, Underworld and Resident Evil. Also check out my solo podcast of Aliens, Scream, Evil Dead and many, many more. And a bye-bye. And remember, if your newly crowned horror icon is the face of the franchise, but you have completely ill-defined what he actually is, try to rip off another horror legend. Thank you.